And welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. I'm your captain, Captain Eric, and on this episode, we're going to be celebrating some Nickelodeon anniversaries that happened between the times of May 22nd to May 28th. And this week, we are starting out 31 years ago. On May 25th, 1991, we had the final episode of Don't Just Sit There, a variety talk show that included celebrity guests, comedy sketches, uh, segments that included food, food and electronics, taking them apart, and also had a house band, Out of Order, which played throughout the show. Uh, some of the celebrities to have appeared on the show include William Shatner, of course, Captain Kirk from Star Trek, Weird Al Yankovic, Michael Richards from Seinfeld, the new kids on the block, and uh, most shockingly, Robert England. In his full Freddy Krueger makeup and attire showing on the showing up on the show, could you imagine being a kid watching Nickelodeon? And even if he's not in character, just Freddy Krueger shows up on screen. Even if you've never seen the movie, but you just know of the legend, you know of the character, and then all of a sudden here he comes out on stage, you turn the screen, you know, turn the channel right away. Oh my god, Freddy Krueger. I mean, I would be excited if I had caught that, but I was I was uh not born yet slash far too young when this show was on the air, so I certainly don't have that nostalgic factor of uh, watching it. Uh, but just to note, some of the hosts that appeared on the show for uh, for Don't Just Sit There, Will Friedel, who would go on to be you know best known for playing Eric Matthews on Boy Meets World, was one of the hosts here. Matt Brown, Wendy Douglas, Ali Smith, and B.J. Schaefer. Uh, just to mention the out of order house band, Mike Baldwin, Chris Geus, Ed John, and Buxton Pryor. Uh, that was the band out of order. So yeah, 31 years ago, don't just sit there. 22 years ago on May 27th, 2000, had the final episode of Kablam. Kablam, created by Robert Mittenthal, Will McRobb, and Chris Viscardi, was, you know, we just talked about a variety show. This is a variety show of animation. Uh, Kablam! was presented that you were reading through the pages of a comic book that would come to life, and that every story within that comic book was a completely different animation style, going from uh, live-action, stop-motion animation to traditional 2D animation, even to claymation. Kablam! had a little bit of everything, and, and honestly, I think out of the four seasons that Kablam! lasted on the air and it's 48 episodes it would be impossible to not find a segment or a short that that you could fall in love with um, from their reoccurring ones to the ones that would just appear once there was something in kablam for for everybody to enjoy i mean it literally threw everything at the wall and to just to see what would stick and, and a lot of it did at least for me and i feel like when kablam was on the air and certainly at school it was a fairly popular show and it was interesting that every single person you would meet ha would have a different love of one of the segments, you know? So it was kind of hard to be a Kablam fan 
and talk with other fans because even though you had other kids that watched Kablam, it would be like, yeah, well, I only really love Life with Loopy and like, oh, I I really only love Prometheus and Bob and y- you know that you'd you'd talk maybe there'd be some cross section there like, oh yeah, that one episode, but but then there was you know you wanted to kind of talk more about the stuff you were into. Uh, but that was the beauty of it, is that there was just so much love to be found in terms of animation all around Kablam. Um, even from the hosts of the show, Henry and June, who were the were the guides through the world of Kablam, turning the pages, literally turning the pages over to each of these little little shorts here. The comic book aesthetic is only there to kind of to, to kind of be the framing for the show and for Henry and June, but literally outside of that framing, the show has nothing to do with comic books. Each of these segments are completely different from one another, and I'll go through at least the big dogs here, um, and, and I'll have more to talk about these later on in, in Captain Eric's top five, but uh, going from season one, you have uh, Sniz and Fondue, a traditional 2D animated show, which then is followed by uh, probably Kablam's most well-known segment, Action League Now, which is a live-action somewhat uh, stop motion, but it, it's just a lot of toy action figures, kind of like pre-robot chicken talking to the camera. There's no movements of their mouths. Um, it, it's 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 crazy to go back and watch Action League now because it feels like a lot of early YouTube content. It, it's like pre-YouTube kind of videos that these guys were making for Kablam that, that blew up in popularity to the point that Action League now even got its own spin-off show uh and and actually now by far was was the biggest property outside of Kablam it was the most popular but it was also just the most unique out of all of these because there were moments where the characters would there would be some stop motion done and they would move and they would but the real fun came from destroying these these toys in various ways either by exploding them throwing them in a blender flushing them down a toilet you you would see this as a kid and it's kind of it's like doing the stuff with your toys that you wish you could do, but you, you can't. You're too young to play with fireworks and strap your toys to it and watch them go up and explode in the air. But you can watch Action League now and watch it happen. Oh, mom doesn't want you to throw your action figures in the blender? Well, watch Action League now. It'll it'll happen on there. Uh, beyond that, the characters are just funny. Some of the writing is good. Uh, I, I adore Action League now. Prometheus and Bob, a stop-motion, complete stop-motion uh, cartoon that was no real like dialogue in it, which is incredible. It's all mainly like visual gags and I adore Prometheus and Bob. And then even Life with Loopy, uh, another uh, stop motion show, but in a style that has never really been touched upon since, as far as I know, it's so one of a kind. That was your your season one kind of heavy hitter lineup there. And those are the shows that really helped lay the foundation for the rest of the series. Uh, Sniz and Fondue would only last, I believe, another season uh, during season two, but then would drop off. But those other three, Action League Now, Prometheus and Bob, and Life with Loopy, would be mainstays for the entire run of Kablam for their four seasons. Of course, I believe there are episodes that would swap out, you know, a a Life with Loopy or a Prometheus and Bob for another one-off short they would have. Or or sometimes there were other shows like the Offbeats that would would happen, uh, you know, interspersed sporadically in between episodes uh, but I believe actually now may have made an appearance on on almost every single episode of Kablam maybe there's only a few that don't feature them uh, this show was tough to re-watch because a lot of reruns didn't really happen through Nickelodeon once it was off the air 
And uh, even when on Nicktoons Network, you'd think, oh, they would air a lot more of Kablam, and it was kind of sparse to find. I was happy to see, and it was a day one watch, that on Paramount Plus, they had pretty much the entirety of Kablam. I, I, I feel like it's got every episode on there. And I started watching through the first season or two, and, and a lot of that holds up unbelievably. If you haven't watched Kablam since it was on television, it is definitely worth a rewatch. And if you have never watched it, my goodness, what are you doing? Stop listening to this podcast and go put on Kablam if you have Paramount+. Plus. If you don't and there's another way to watch it, by all means, you know, go go down that path. But uh, I, I can't – I have enough good things to say about Kablam that I'm going to hold off until we, uh, we get to the top five. I'll, I'll gush about it, you know, forever. Uh, for our next entry, something that happened both 20 years ago and 19 years ago – uh, but this is not a television show. This isn't a movie or anything. Uh, but this is more of a uh, month-long celebration or a couple-month-long celebration on Nickelodeon known as the Nicktoons Summer Beach House. It was a weekday afternoon programming block that first premiered on May 27th, 2002 and lasted all the way until August 30th, 2002, all the way throughout the summer, and then came back the next year on May 26th, 2003, going all the way to August 29th, 2003. So this was Monday through Friday. Uh, I believe uh, it was a two-hour two block or so. And what was really cool about this was the interludes in between the, the shows that they were airing and the commercials of the Nicktoons Summer Beach House. They had their own theme song, and it was a live-action big beach house that featured all of the Nicktoons animated, having fun, doing beachy things, dancing, you know, swimming in the pool, building sandcastles, having food, you know, having a barbecue, making a fire. Like, that stuff alongside the Cartoon Network City era was just some of my favorite moments of watching, you know, Nickelodeon Cartoon Network and cartoons in general. When when they built these worlds and interludes outside of the shows that presented all of the characters living amongst themselves, I, I don't know. You can't top that. You can't. Literally, and I'll speak for this for Cartoon Network too. Uh, I know this is a Nickelodeon podcast, but there, there's not an era of Cartoon Network visually, their bumpers and everything, that was better than the CN City which I know might sound like a subjective, you know, point. Oh, that's your opinion. No, like, objectively, that's just the best the level of effort that went in there and the beauty of it. The majority of fans will agree. And on Nickelodeon side, they did a little bit of it. You know, they had, you know, there was the ride, Jimmy Neutron's Nicktoon Blast. There was the Friday Night Nicktoons bumpers that had all the characters kind of amongst themselves. But the, the closest that Nickelodeon really pushed this, I feel, was the Nicktoons Summer Beach House because there was just so many different little segments, interludes, and it went months throughout the year. It wasn't just like a, like a one-week thing or a, a one-month thing. It was months. Uh, for 2002, the uh, takeovers went as such on Mondays. You had uh, two hours of SpongeBob SquarePants on Tuesdays, Rugrats, Wednesdays, Rocket Power, Thursdays, Hey Arnold, and Fridays, the Wild Thornberries. The following year, the Wild Thornberries got swapped out for the Fairly Odd Parents, which took over Tuesdays, Rugrats on Wednesdays, th uh, Thursdays with Hey Arnold, and then Fridays with Rocket Power. 
I like two years was not enough. I, I feel like they could have just kept this thing going as a summer event every single year, building up to it. And I like I don't understand why you couldn't just do that because then with every Nicktoon that you're adding onto the channel, you're just making the party bigger. You can make it a big deal where every year there's a new Nicktoon that joins and gets a solid block uh, along one of those days, just like you did here. The year later, you, you bumped off the Wild Thornberries and you brought in the Fairly Odd Parents. What if you kept it another year and in 2004, boom, now, you know, Jimmy Neutron is on and then you eventually get to Danny Phantom. Imagine Aang showing up to the beach house. And then, you know, even thinking of we're robbing characters like Parker J. Cloud from interacting with the other Nicktoons. Imagine the 2022 Nicktoon Summer Beach House and Parker and Angus are are a part of the beach house and getting their their own day, their own block of of a four hour of middlemost post. I don't know. I, I feel like twenty years later we, we should we should go back to this. Go back to the aesthetic and, and just build on top of it and, and make it a yearly thing. Make it an event. I, I don't know. I don't feel like any I know every year you try something new, but I don't know. Try to build off of something as a yearly annual thing. I th I think kids get excited about that stuff. Seventeen years ago on May twenty seventh, two thousand five, we had the final episode of you pick live. This was another programming block that started running from October 14th, 2002, all the way until May 27th, 2005, uh, hosted by Brent Popo Lazio and Candace Bailey, uh, also featuring Jep Supton as pick boy, a continuation of the character that started on slime time live. Uh, Candace, I absolutely adore during her time on Nickelodeon. And honestly, I enjoyed this, this kind of run of you pick live. I think this was also, I think the time they released the, uh, the pick me music video starring Candace Bailey and pick boy and, and cow who could forget cow. Oh, who, oh, cow from Nickelodeon was from you pick live. Just what a, what a wonderful time. Uh, a part of, of Nickelodeon here, you pick live a, an entire programming block that was of course designed to give viewers the choice to pick the cartoons or pick the episodes, pick the subjects. It was all about you and your choices, which has been a concept that Nickelodeon has constantly been doing. Originally, there was a you pick Friday from 1999 to late 2000 hosted by Henry and June of Kablam. Nice little, uh, nice little wink there, a little segue from what we were just talking about. And then, of course, I mean, the concept of you pick going all the way back from Nick in the Afternoon from 1994 with Stick Stickly, the fact of giving kids that choice. And this was just a, a, a nice continuation of it. There was, of course, Slime Time Live, which preceded this, and then you pick Live, which would then kind of just fizzle out during the year 2005. And it would be eventually followed by Me TV. But certainly no programming block of, of this live nature of, of the viewer choosing would never reach the same heights that, that you pick live did. I, I believe that was the last big moment that Nickelodeon had with like a massive afternoon programming block that was live. I know that they would still have future ones, but the, these were uh, heights of popularity that I just don't think have been met since then. I could be wrong. Could be wrong about that, but I don't know. I, Cow and Pickboy are just as legendary today as they were back then. Uh, shout out to Cow wherever you are, and uh, shout out to Pickboy. I'd like to uh, I'd like to talk to Pickboy one of these days. Pick his brain a little bit, if you will, and uh, he he might be a fun interview one of these days. Thirteen years ago, on May twenty third, two thousand nine, we had the final episode of Mister Meaty. 
Created by Jamie Shannon and Jason Hopley, the show ran for two seasons of 20 episodes. Uh, now, this is not going to be found on most people's top 10 Nickelodeon shows ever. It's not It's not going to be found there. It's, it's certainly not a favorite of most Nickelodeon fans. But it is a cult hit, and if you are a fan of Mr. Meaty, and you, I know that there are some of you out there, there's something to be found with this show. Uh, the captain here finds himself to be on the side of being a Mr. Meaty fan. In fact, the captain here actually owned a Mr. Meaty t-shirt that was released on the Nick's shop at the time of the show's airing. A brown shirt that had Parker and uh, and Josh on the front. And on the back it said, where friends meet to eat meat. And it had the, uh, the Mr. Meaty logo with them on the front. Uh, I look, I know that the show from visual aspect to writing to execution is just gross, but a, that's the point. And B, there's just certain things in this world that when I think most people turn away from something, I usually tend to give it more attention just to see why people are turning away from it. And from what I found in this show, I appreciated the level of puppetry they went for, the design of the puppets, the the mall court aesthetic. I loved the just the world they were building, the crazy characters and situations they found themselves in. And even some of the jokes in those first few episodes, uh, specifically Wedgelore, uh, the Buffalo Burrito, the very first episode. I actually, I've watched it so many times. I enjoy that episode. Um, and just to shout out an, a third one, um, let's see, uh, Doug of the Dead, I think, is another good one that I, I enjoy. But, you know, I, I get it. It's not a show that's for everybody. You know, it's the same thing with, like, Ren and Stimpy, the, that kind of the the humor that includes farts and slapstick and smacking of characters and just being inappropriate like that is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Totally respect that. Um, but I, I do love Mr. Meaty and I have a soft spot for it just because of the level of effort that went into that show. I mean, you could absolutely despise that show and I, I feel like you would be lying to everybody and yourself if you at least wouldn't admit that there was just something about even the sets that they built. Like, there's something impressive to be found somewhere alongside the production here. I'm able to look at a lot of it and go, like, I like that. And I know even a lot of the characters, there are a lot of off-putting, ugly puppets. But, you know, then you just get some that just are so... it, it Like, off-putting... Is not even the word for some of these puppets. There's some that are just so bonkers. I mean, um, Edward R. Carney, the um, original proprietor and owner of Mr. Meaty, gets risen from the dead. He, like, froze himself. And, and we have basically a corpse in a wheelchair as a character. Just let that... I mean, I'm a guy who loves Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and that whole series. I love slapstick horror um, I, I dig comedy when it's thrown in with just disgusting stuff. So th this is right up my wheelhouse. So I, I don't need to explain myself any further, uh, but I enjoy Mr. Meaty. If you've never watched it, watch a few of the episodes I mentioned. Definitely the first episode, Buffalo Burrito, is is one worth watching. I, I enjoy that one a great deal. Uh, but yeah, it don't 
don't let just the aesthetic of it bother you. Just There's something to be found with Mr. Meaty. And, and as the tagline says, it's where friends meet to eat meat. 20 years ago, on May 28, 2012, the Nickelodeon original movie Rags premiered on the channel. Based on the Cinderella story, the movie was directed by Billy Woodruff and was a massive success upon its release, receiving 3.5 million viewers on its live broadcast and then throughout the next week, earning a total of 4.6 million viewers, becoming one of Nickelodeon's highest-rated original films. And the soundtrack topped the iTunes sales charts, debuting at number one on the musical charts and remained on there for more than a month. This was a big deal for Nickelodeon, which which is nice to see given that, you know, Disney was having all of the success with all of these original musical movies, High School Musical and and Camp Rock. And it, it's nice to see Nickelodeon at least get a piece of that pie with, with some sort of musical movies with rags and then big time movie. It, it was nice to see. Nine years ago, on May 25th, 2013, we had the premiere of Sanjay and Craig. Created by Jim Dershberger, Jay Hole, and Andreas Trolf, the show ran for three seasons of 60 episodes. This is a surprising show for me. Because it, for me, it was the first Nicktoon that I would say that I, I could say I loved as an adult. There, there wasn't any nostalgic presence to be found for me to enjoy it. And there was a few other Nicktoons I tried to watch, but through the, through the eyes of an adult, you know, I just wasn't getting my attention as attached to some of these newer Nicktoons as I once was. And that's okay. Hey, I was growing up. I don't have to fall in love with everything I was watching, as it might seem as I did throughout the 90s and, and early 2000s. Um, but then Sanjay and Craig came along and... You know, I would have it in the background sometimes when I was painting or working on the computer. And I found myself actually not only watching the show, enjoying some episodes, but then at times kind of looking forward to it. Not necessarily where it was, you know, becoming a, a massive obsession, but, you know, it became such a part of my, my routine that, you know, even times where I was painting or where I would be like, oh, I'll throw that on in the background and then I would inevitably just watch the entire episode I would kind of like during those moments of the night, if Sanjay and Craig wasn't on, I would, you know, more or less get a little disappointed than to whatever other options were available and a completely honest story. And then to find out that this show was not as beloved and was actually one that some people kind of, you know, I don't want to say the word despise, but at, at least don't like because of its use of fart humor. And I'm like, what, what happened to the Nickelodeon generation? The, I know we started out with the really clean Doug, but we also started out with Ren and Stimpy, and, and Rugrats had some fart humor in it, too, and we, we got through Rocco's Modern Life and, and other shows like Angry Beavers and Cat Dog, and, and gross-out humor has always been a part of Nickelodeon's DNA. When did farts become a negative thing associated with Nickelodeon? Get, get out of here with that noise. Hey, you don't have to like them, but to complain and make that as, a, as if it's a negative? Nah, I don't accept that. I don't accept that whatsoever. Um, I have not seen every single episode of Sanjay and Craig, but honestly, as I've, I've said that for a lot of shows I cover, a lot of newer ones, this is a show that I would have no problem just diving right into, watching from beginning to end, and uh, in, enjoying it at its fullest. Uh, I, I think it has a classic Nickelodeon feel to it, and I've associated that with a few other recent shows and projects of Nickelodeon. There's, there's just a certain feeling uh, I can't 
really explain it at this moment in time, but it, it just feels like it gives off a certain level of energy that that shows that preceded it. Your your running stimpies, your Roccos, your cat dogs, your angry beavers, those kind of those good chaotic energy type Nicktoons shows. I Sanjay and Craig gave off that feeling and and completely uh, uh, belongs with his fellow Nicktoons at the Summer Beach House. Uh, but also, Sanjay and Craig would make an excellent addition to Nicktoons' uh, All-Star Brawl. I know that, you know, Sanjay and Craig might not blow up the internet as much as Hugh Neutron will, but imagining Sanjay whipping around Craig at people and knowing the kind of care they take with the the art of the levels and the design, I have no doubt that they would uh, they would make the world of Sanjay and Craig just glow up through that, that game engine and, and the art design there. Absolutely love it. Also, nine years ago, on May 27th, 2013, we had the premiere of Nicky Deuce on Nickelodeon. Directed by Jonathan A. Rosenbaum, the Nickelodeon movie stars Noah Munich as Nicky Deuce, which the entire movie is based off of the book, Nicky Deuce, Welcome to the Family. I have never seen it. I honestly, from the from the prospect, I hear Nicky Deuce and... It's not a movie I think I would want to watch from the beginning, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Noah and his and his work, his comedic timing, his acting. I I'll I'll give Nicky Deuce a watch one of these days. As if anybody out there can recommend the movie, definitely uh definitely let me know. I would be interested in it. Another Nickelodeon movie here, 7 years ago on May 25th, 2015, Genie in a Bikini premiered on Nickelodeon. Now, for any of you perverts out there, you might think, whoa, what? What movie premiered on Nickelodeon? Genie in a Bikini? What is going on? Um, it, it's not the kind of genie you're thinking about. It's it's not even uh, a, a female genie. We're, we're having a male genie here. And as far as I know, any of the stills I've seen, I, I don't think he's wearing a bikini. Um, I could be wrong, and maybe he does at some point sport a Speedo somewhere. But, uh... But from what I can see, he's a fully clothed genie. Uh, I don't know where the bikini comes into play, but I, I don't know if I uh, if that's a movie that's that's worth going down. You, you let me know, as always, if it's something I haven't seen. If if anyone out there recommends it and, and you know convinces me otherwise, I will give anything a shot. But uh, yeah, let me know what you think about genie in a bikini. Six years ago, on May twenty eighth, two thousand sixteen. We had the premiere of Lost in the West, a three-part comedy western miniseries that aired from Nickelodeon from May 28th to May 30th. Uh, it was written by Kevin M. Brennan and Doug Manley and was directed by Carlos Gonzalez. Four years ago, on May 25th, 2018, we had the final episode of The Thundermans, created by Jed Springer. The show ran for four seasons of 98 episodes. Guys, we're two away from 100. I mean, I, I imagine, I imagine you fought for it. All right, taking a water break there, but uh, I imagine you fought for it. But man, to have to have that close to the, the 100 mark and to stop it, that's got to be infuriating. It's like, hey, can we have one final two-part episode to just cross us over that finish line? But what's really incredible about the Thundermans is that this is a uh, multi-camera sitcom about superheroes that was successfully airing on Nickelodeon at the same time as another multi-camera sitcom about superheroes. And yes, both of those shows did cross over with one another, that being Henry Danger. 
um, that just that'll blow my mind for forever. The fact that you could double dip like that. I mean, no other network would want to have, well, unless you're the CW, no other network would want to have two concurrent superhero shows set in the same universe going at the same time. But I digress. Nickelodeon did it successfully uh, to great effect. Both shows were absolute hits with kids. And I got to say, the one big part about the Thundermans I absolutely love is that of their uh, of their pet, Dr. Colosso, one of the greatest villains of their world who was turned into a rabbit and doesn't have the ability to turn back into his human self. So he's then adopted as the pet of the Thundermans, more specifically the son Jack, who is also secretly planning to become a supervillain himself. One of the bits of this show that I, I think helped distinct it away from Henry Danger. And, and whereas that show is kind of, you know, more of a modern take of a, like, what what is the 66 Batman show look if it's produced by Nickelodeon? That's that's more of, of Henry Danger. And the Thundermans has more of that sitcom, you know, element to it. Where it's more of like, hey, we're trying to, to live this, this life, but we're also superheroes. But Henry Danger... It's more or less about, you know, stopping the the villain of the week. And there's still life consequences that have to happen. But uh, the big thing that I love about Dr. Colosso is he's voiced by Dana Schneider, one of my favorite voice actors of, of absolute all time, who has voiced like two of my favorite characters of all time, Master Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Gaspacho from Chowder. The man just has a golden voice for me. I'll literally watch or listen to anything that includes him. If you want, if you want my attention, you hire Dana Schneider as a voice actor. I'm, I'm watching you, the Ghost and Molly McGee. I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on you. I haven't seen that show yet, but the fact that it's got a minute, it gets me closer to watching it. Two years ago, on May 23rd, 2020, we had the premiere of Group Chat with Jaden and Brent. The show was uh, created during the pandemic of COVID-19, when there wasn't really any live shows getting produced and Literally every studio in Hollywood was trying to figure out ways to still make entertainment and this idea of just filming a Zoom call and putting that on television just became a novelty for the time. I mean, it became such a novelty that we even got an entire Parks and Rec special that was uh, post the show ending that was all about a Zoom call of all these characters coming together. And um, Nickelodeon needed new content and hey, this was a way to get it done, to get something new out on the, on the television. And from all accounts, the show was a success, but it did have a shelf life. And once things opened up a bit more for them to start making more, you know, in-person content, the group chat concept really doesn't make sense to continue on Nickelodeon, but they had two seasons of 15 episodes that aired throughout 2020 until its end on October 31st later that year. As far as Captain Eric's top five of this week, since we're talking about Kablam for the first time of this run, I figured I'd give you my top five Kablam segments. Now, this number five might might seem a bit off-putting, but keep in mind what I had mentioned about Mr. Meaty earlier. I'm not somebody who, even if it looks ugly, I'm not going to turn away from it. And my number five here is Angela Anaconda. Um, look, I have a special love-hate relationship when it comes to Angela Anaconda. Uh, I get the dislikes of the show. It is certainly not going to win any beauty contests anytime soon. But it is memorable. 
beyond the fact that Angela Anaconda had segments that aired on Kablam, but also they used Angela Anaconda to promote the Digimon movie, uh, which I saw in theaters and then was stuck watching uh, like a couple minutes long segment of Angela Anaconda and her friends going to see the Digimon movie. And it was just so weird. And it was almost like my dad who was there was like, what is this? Is this Digimon? I'm like, no, this is something completely different. This was just out there. Out, it, like It's hard to explain Angela Anaconda without you know just showing somebody what it looks like. But it's essentially stop motion animation but instead of like we're loopy where all the characters kind of look like cartoons all of the faces of these characters are kind of realistic but the animation comes from them clearly taking different pictures of these you know actors mouths or whatnot and it's a one of a kind show it's a one of a kind segment and uh Look, I'm not saying I, I was like a massive Angela Anaconda fan, but it's when I think of Kablam and I was writing down this list, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I will give a shout out, a special shout out to the Louie and Louie show, which was a one off on Kablam uh, created by uh, who was it? It was the guy who would end up going to do Teacher's Pet, uh, Gary Baseman, Gary Baseman, who has that iconic uh, uh style from teacher's pet and like Kadoodle and all those board games and whatnot, just an incredible style. There's a, there's a show starring Tom Kenny and I believe it's Jim Belushi and the other is voiced by Billy West. So right off the bat, I, I was a big fan of that short. I tried rewatching it to see if it, if it held up against Angela Anaconda. And uh, I think for a one-off it's fun, but I, I got to give the, the, the key there to Angela. Number four is life with loopy. Now, in terms of creativity and of the status of like this can just can never be replicated. It's just a one of a kind piece of animation. Life with Loopy like takes that metal and runs with it. Uh, you could redo Prometheus and Bob in 2022 with really good stop motion. You could redo Sniz and Fondue and even Action League now. But there's something about Life with Loopy. It's the choices that they made with certain points of the episode segments, um, the way they handled characters. There was puppetry. They they really wanted to kind of make you cringe a little bit with some of its design choices. And it really is an absolute special cartoon. It's just completely one of a kind. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I really it's hard to really explain life with Loopy Loopy is an absolutely incredibly smart and eccentric little girl who just is able to go on these adventures and just has no time for anybody's negativity and and uh, sass and is just able... You could put her in the, the strangest situation and she's able to walk up to the the weirdest creature in the room and make friends or, de, you know, demand, you know, them to do whatever she wants and, and almost get her way. Um, the show, the segments are told from the perspective, essentially, of Larry, her older brother, who just, yeah, he wants to tell you just how incredibly, you know, weird and crazy his sister is. But if you've never seen Life with Loopy, I mean, I've already told you to go watch Kablam. What are you doing listening to this? Go and watch Kablam. Number three is Prometheus and Bob. I have a soft spot for when comedy could make break everything down to just a visual aspect. I mean, there's some comedy here to be found with some of the sound design, but uh, that's why I'm a big fan of the Three Stooges. You know, you don't need to to really write 
in jokes or and you don't have to worry about jokes going over anyone's heads you just have to worry about hey they understand that one guy slapping another guy is really funny and when it comes to prometheus and bob what's really funny uh about that ends up being just the chaos that comes around what happens when an alien is trying to teach a caveman about the future or about living or he's you know one week it could be teaching him about a wheel and the next week it could be teaching him about fine dining but beyond the chaos of a caveman not really understanding anything of what's going on you also have this monkey that just comes in out of nowhere and is just complete evil chaotic energy that just ends up ruining every shot and going back and re-watching Kablam I would say that if you asked me as a kid I may have rearranged these a little bit and I may have had Prometheus and Bob near the lower end but when I went back and rewatched Kablam, I fell more in love with Prometheus and Bob and appreciated it on such an incredible degree, more so than I did as a kid. And uh, it's it's one of my favorites. It honestly almost passed my number two, which which is shocking for me. I almost placed it above this next one because, uh, oh, by the way, I always give credit where credit's due. And I want to give credit here for the creators of some of these projects. So... For the record, Angela Anaconda was created by Joanne Ferrone and Sue Rose. I believe Sue is also the voice of Angela herself, which is very interesting. Uh, let me get Life with Loopy's creator up here. Uh, some of these creators were a little bit harder to follow, um, you know, because as a kid you'd watch that show of Kablam and it was hard to associate one person like you would with so many other shows as I did with a kid. But uh, Stephen Holman credited as the creator, director, and writer of Life with Loopy. Um, and just so you know, there were 37 segments in total created for Life with Loopy, including one special, the Life with Loopy birthday Galibration that premiered on September 25th, 1998. As far as Prometheus and Bob, I know he recently did an interview which expanded on the idea that there was actually a Prometheus and Bob film that was once planned at Paramount. And get this, there were actually plans for David Spade and Chris Farley to play Prometheus and Bob right before Chris Farley's untimely passing. And since at that point, the thing just kind of went in limbo, and the only thing of mention was also the fact that the script was just not good, or at least the one that was floating around. Interesting tidbit is that um, parts of that script and even jokes from that script were then reapplied to a future film, Gulliver's Travels, starring Jack Black, which featured the same producer that was trying to get Prometheus and Bob off the off the ground. Uh, and that's not unheard of. I mean, most historically, if you go down the rabbit hole of uh, of some Hollywood stories, uh, Superman Lives, the Nicolas Cage starring Superman film that they were trying to get done back in the mid to late 90s. Um, eventually being directed by Tim Burton before the project fell apart, was once written by Kevin Smith, who once recounted the story how the executive producer of the project was demanding, essentially, that a giant spider fights Superman at the end of the film. Eventually that film doesn't get made, but that executive producer would go on to direct or uh, produce a film known as Wild Wild West, which includes a climax that has a giant steampunk mechanical spider. So when, when executive producers 
get things in their heads that are, are gold and they can't get it on one project, you can bet they will try to shoehorn it into another project. So hearing that some of the Prometheus and Bob gags were then reused in Gulliver's Travels is not at all surprising to me. But to finally give the man credit, uh, Cody Zellers directed, written, and created Prometheus and Bob. A massive shout out to you, my friend. Uh, my number two, though, as promised, Prometheus and Bob almost beat these two out, but they have been two of my favorite Kablam characters ever since the show premiered. I have a massive amount of love for Sniz and Fondue. Snap me down. 24 episodes of Sniz and Fondue were, cre were created. Uh, the original creator, Michael Perlstein, was behind the show. And I, I got to be honest with you, this was the one show from Kablam that I wished got spun off into its own show. Uh, there was just something to be found here. Um, I really loved the characters. I loved the world. There was something intriguing about the art style and especially Sniz in general and his, and his Snizms. I absolutely just fell in love with from the moment I watched him. Snap me down. Like the second I heard him yell that, it was in the back of my brain and it will be until the day I die. Uh, so <laughs> shout out to Sniz and Fondue for, for some reason having such an impact on me. I can't I can't recommend it enough as a Kablam segment, but obviously if if this uh if at this point you can't guess what my number one is, it should be pretty obvious. But my number one segment Captain Eric's number one segment from Kablam is, of course, Action League Now. Created by Robert Mittenthal, Will McRobb, and Albie Hyked, Action League Now stars The Flesh. He's super strong and super naked. Thunder Girl, she flies like thunder. Stinky Diver, a former Navy commando who's got an attitude as bad as his odor. And Meltman, with the power to... Melt... It's all off the cuff right there. One take, one go. I love Action League now. What can I say as a kid? The the creativity and even in some cases lack of creativity is just what brings uh, just a certain energy to this show that is unmatched. I love the times that they clearly cut corners because, man, when they didn't cut corners and showed you the things you wanted to see, I, they would show you action figures getting blown up and destroyed and, and thrown into lawnmowers and just anything you would want to see done to your action figures at home, as I mentioned earlier. It just it can't be undone uh, just how awesome this show was. Uh, now, the one thing I've been lampooning for years is that we need an official release of Action League Now action figures. Uh, even if it's just a commemorative, limited run, done for a Comic-Con, done by NECA or Mattel or any of these other, other you know, toy companies, they, they, we got to produce these figures at least once. We got to do a one-run run of these figures. Um, now, some of these figures are reused action figures from other sets, so I understand that that might come up as a as a problem but i imagine in the design process of some of these figures some very subtle changes can be made without you know taking away from the look of the figures that could make them their own thing and then resold like i think stinky diver is a reused gi joe action figure meltman i think is also a gi joe but he's his own design so you could just make your own meltman uh toy and not have to worry about any other toy companies out there even if it started out as a as something else originally i mean it's been transformed into something new uh the flesh i forgot i, I looked into it once 
Um, and I just completely forgot where he came from. Oh, he was a modified Conan the Adventurer action figure. Thunder Girl was a Cindy head doll with apparently an unknown superhero figure body. It might be original for all we know. Uh, Stinky Diver is an altered 1994 G.I. Joe shipwreck action figure. And uh, Meltman apparently was a Robin Hood figure that was melted down with a blowtorch. Uh, the Chief was made together with using parts of the play school play people alongside uh, the mayor, who was the villain of the entire show, and and one of my one of my favorite Nickelodeon villains, just just from his voice and the design of the toy and whatnot. Uh, Bill the lab guy also put together with some of those play school dollhouse figures. A lot of the a lot of the like humanoid figures were from those those play school dollhouse uh, runs. And so, given all of that, I can understand why we we can't really have you know remade. Uh, like sold figures like that, but some of these companies could probably get together. You know, what if McFarlane or, or one of these other toy makers went to play school and said, Hey, let's team up on this. And we're doing a limited run, like comic con thing. And, um, you know, you make a new mold for the flesh, just completely, completely new. You can make a new mold for thunder girl and just change up how the, how the head is done. It's not just a Cindy doll. Make it, make it its own thing. You could just make a fresh, stinky diver. Or, you know what? Here's even an idea. What do these figures look like being released in 2022? Like, what does the 2022 version of Stinky Diver look like? Uh, that's something else I'd be interested in. Like, that would be a fun little Comic-Con release of just like, hey, these are these are like what a current run of Action League now would look like. You'd make like a thousand boxes of them and that's it. Something that easily. But... Uh, yeah, actually now, just one of my favorite segments. Um, it was always a treat to watch with Kablam. And once again, if you've never seen Kablam, you should absolutely watch it. It's ten times better than this podcast. And it's it's any one of those segments are better than anything Captain Eric will ever put out. Sorry to be that self-deprecating of just being honest. Uh, but I, I love each and every one of you guys for, for coming along this episode of This Week in Nickelodeon History. I really appreciate it. You can reach Captain Eric at NickelodeonHistory at gmail.com. You can send your questions or comments into there as well. If you have any questions you want me to read out on the air, I will certainly do so. You can follow me on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast and on Instagram at SpongeBob Podcast. Please check out my other podcast, I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, dropping every Wednesday or so on every major podcast platform. And don't forget to subscribe to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, or you can also hit that bell for notifications so you can know anytime the captain puts something out. You can also purchase new and updated merch at the Redbubble link either in the podcast description or in the link from any of my socials. Anything that comes in through my projects go directly back into my projects, and it's always appreciated. As always, please stay safe out there, be kind to one another, and come aboard next week to This Week in Nickelodeon History.